Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm your host as always, Stan McCune. I am a realtor here in Greenville and this is how I make my money. So you can uh, find all of my contact information in the show notes if you need a realtor in the Greenville area. And just a reminder as always, please like, rate, review, subscribe, whatever uh, platform that you're listening or watching this show on, please make sure that you support the show that way. Otherwise, the best way to support the show is just to use me as your realtor and recommend me to your friends. And like I said, my contact information is in the show notes. All right. I want to talk about some random fourth quarter thoughts. We've talked a lot about how real estate is seasonal. A lot of businesses are. Uh, Almost all businesses are seasonal. Real estate um, is very predictably seasonal. And typically, once we get into the fourth quarter of the year, October, November, December, that's when we really start to see a major slowdown for the year. This is particularly true the second half of that fourth quarter, right? Uh, When retail sales take off from Black Friday on for the holidays, that's when real estate sales really slow down. Uh, But for me, usually uh, I start to see things really start to slow down in November. And to me, even though this isn't accurate from the standpoint of uh, of actual quarters for me kind of the fourth quarter is more november to january if that makes any sense that it, it doesn't make sense again from the standpoint of a calendar that's not how we consider a quarter from a business year standpoint um but from the standpoint of the slowest three month p- stretch of the year that november through january stretch is traditionally the slowest stretch of the year uh for real estate And so I just want to kind of just talk about what I am seeing, what I'm feeling anecdotally. We're not going to talk about a ton of data here. Uh, If you guys like the data, last week's episode got into a ton of data, um, and we do plenty of that. But I'm just talking about what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling. Uh, Sometimes there is, and uh, usually there's a lot of value in just anecdotal data. I've learned I've learned that over the years. You've got to mix the the hard data that we get from GGAR, uh, the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors, from the South Carolina Association of Realtors, from Zillow, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the Fed, all of these things. We've got to mix all of those together with anecdotal data as well, um, because all of those together kind of paint the full picture. <clears throat> so I just want to start on a macro level here, and just kind of zoom out for a second okay to use a bunch of uh, a bunch of business lingo there macro level zoom out um i, I don't know I, sh- I should uh i should come up with some others we don't want to miss the forest for the trees um <laughs> a bunch of uh, I-, I could just start rattling off business lingo if i really wanted to um but um to to zoom out um we've seen mortgage rates in a year go from the low fives roughly speaking, which is what they were a, a little more than a year ago, to now the high sevens. They've even, I'm recording this on October 23rd, they've even crested uh, on average. And if you want to know where these numbers come from, it's Mortgage News Daily. Uh, they have crested into the low eights from time to time. Now, as I'm recording this right now, mortgage rates are sitting at 7.91% per Mortgage News Daily um, after briefly going again above 8% today. 
regardless, we're talking about almost a uh, a difference of 5% to 8%. That's a huge difference, okay? Uh, and this had a massive impact on buyer behavior. Let's make no mistake about this. Massive impact on buyer behavior. And here's why. Let's talk about a $300,000 mortgage, okay? If you take a $300,000 mortgage, don't worry about principal and interest, right? Because though, sorry, don't don't worry about taxes and insurance. Actually, I'm I'm reading off of notes, and I actually said not including principal and interest, which is the exact opposite that I meant to to write down here. And somehow, in all of my proofing my notes, I didn't catch that. For a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage, if you only look at principal and interest, don't look at taxes and insurance. The monthly payment with a five percent mortgage rate on a thirty year mortgage would be one thousand six hundred ten dollars a month. Okay, again, not including taxes and insurance. Now keep everything the same, but bump up the mortgage rate up to 8%, and that number balloons to $2,201 per month. Basically, a 40% increase, okay, in one year, a 40%, roughly a 40% increase. Now, and that's not even taking into account that home prices have gone up almost 2% year on year. Um, so not good, not not good at all uh, from an affordability standpoint. And if you'll remember that uh, <laughs> back during the crazy times of 2021, 2022, we had uh, home prices going up 15 to 20% per year and people were losing their minds. Home prices, uh, affordability is being whittled away. Home prices are way too high. Well, guess what? 15 to 20% increase a year is much less than a 40% increase in one year, which is what people's monthly payments have experienced the past year, right? Just because it's not fair to only look at the purchase price and the averages when it comes to sales prices, at the end of the day, affordability is what it costs for most people per month. Obviously, there's a lot of cash buyers out there. Cash buyers are impacted more by the purchase price than, than the monthly payment. They don't have monthly payments. Um, but that 40% increase year on year in monthly payments is m- a much greater increase than we have ever seen, I think pretty much ever. I mean, there, there's a lot of different data that we can look at to try to reverse engineer uh, You know how uh, affordability has deteriorated quickly at other times, but um, I've read from multiple sources. This is the quickest that we've seen affordability deteriorate really in history. And particularly if you go back to 2020, from 2020 to now, uh, has really seen that in Greenville and just on a nationwide scale. Now, the good news is that with these mortgage rates being higher, that's had a huge impact on demand. Obviously, buyer demand is way down uh, from what it was during the pandemic. Uh, even uh, it's it's starting to uh, go down. I mean, really, we're at lows that we haven't seen even before the pandemic. Um, and so, and, and mortgage applications are, are down to lows that I think we haven't seen since like the 90s. There's all sorts of indicators that demand is, is way down. And so this has caused 
home price appreciation to slow down. Again, as we've talked about in other episodes, listen to last week's episode, we're seeing home price appreciation around between 0 and 2% year on year, roughly speaking. So we can say kind of like 1% is kind of on average what we've been seeing most months as uh, as the data has rolled in. Um, so that is a bit of a positive, right? If we had home prices soaring while mortgage rates were also soaring, we'd really be in trouble. But remember, home prices soared a couple of years ago. Um, and so we already kind of experienced that. And here we are now with, with those home prices staying where they're at, going up ever so slightly, but mortgage rates skyrocketing over the past 12 months. Uh, but we'd be in real big trouble if 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 uh, if home prices were continuing to go up anywhere near the clip that they had been prior to these mortgage rates going higher. So at least we have that. Um, and for those willing to buy now and refinance later, assuming rates go down, the odds are that prices will will never be lower than they will be for the next three to four months. I'm not saying that they will for f- sure. I'm not saying it's a fact that they'll never be lower. Than, than they will be the next three to four months. I'm just saying the odds are most likely home prices are only going to go up from here. And and I again, I'm not focusing on data, but there's a lot of data behind that assumption and a lot of people that agree with me on that. Most experts would agree with me on that. Um, and it's only the doomers online that y- use all these charts uh, without any context that believe the home prices are going to drop off by 20 or 30 percent they don't know what they're talking about um and uh and i rest my case there we've talked about the doomers before i'm not gonna uh get into detail on them or make arguments against them at this point um and and let me just say this okay there might be a crowd out there that says well what if rates don't go down and we don't have the opportunity to refinance uh, and of course, that is also a possibility. We all think that rates at some point will go down. Even the Fed has said that they think that rates will go down. Um, so it seems like that's going to happen at some point. Um, but we can't say for sure. And the Fed has said rates aren't going down anytime soon. Um, so what if they never go down? What if just for the rest of our lives, they're in this low, uh, high seven, low eight range or, or maybe higher? Uh, Well, I'm not really sure what that's an argument for, right? If rates don't go down and home prices continue to go up, as it appears that they will, then it's still cheaper to buy today than it will be next year. Like, it's it's just, it's really simple math. Um, And what happens is the market normalizes, the market stabilizes, it figures out what to do. People figure out, you know, at some point, they have to make a purchase right? Regardless of rates. At some point, these people sitting on these 3% rates are going to be like, all right, I've, I've got to go ahead and, and bite the bullet and, and you know, buy a home at a seven, seven, whatever, seven point whatever percent rate. Um, and they're just going to have to do that. Um, but that what happens when that happens then is that home prices continue to go up because demand has because demand stabilizes. That's all that I'm saying. I, if whether rates go up or rates go down, the overwhelming odds are that it's better and cheaper to buy now than next year. Okay. Now, 
here's the thing that's happened the past several years. We'll come back to that uh, about buying now versus later thing. Um, but here's the thing that's that's happened the past several years. Okay, P- particularly the past year and a half to two years. Uh, but even going back to 2020, when we've been in this low inventory environment, right, which we've been in since the pandemic, builders have been able to produce their own new inventory. It's like printing money, right? Builders are able to to essentially print their own money because they can build their own houses in a period of time when there are not very many homes for sale. And remember, they a lot of these uh developments they started building when the cost of building was much higher right remember we had all the supply shortages and lumber prices were so high and window prices were so high and siding prices were so high everything was super high uh well most of those have again normalized stabilized and and so now builders uh the past year have been in great shape because all of these developments that they started that were basically their their margins were razor thin, their margins were simply going up because they were able to keep selling homes at the prices that they had been selling at, but the cost for building was uh, was way lower. Now, it does depend. I, I'm not ignorant of the fact that a lot of builders pre-purchase uh, their materials, so this might not apply to every community, right? Uh, a lot of these communities, they purchased materials in bulk, and they might have purchased them at all of them at the higher numbers. So it really depends from one community to the next, uh, whether they're actually uh, benefiting from the lower cost of materials now. Um, But regardless, builders have been kicking everyone's butt uh, recently, particularly the past few years, because they've been able to ride their own inventory. And then very nimbly, as soon as these rates started to get high, uh, they... uh, introduced all of these builder incentives to be able to allow buyers to buy down their rate. And uh, this is really incredible. Um, I've actually seen, this isn't in Greenville, but I've seen in some parts of the country, there are builders that are offering, if you use their lender, perhaps their title company or closing attorney, um, offering rates in the fours, okay? In Greenville, we have uh, several builders offering a lot of rate incentives right now. Probably the best one that I've seen is DRB uh, builders. They are offering in some communities a 30-year 5.75% rate with a one-year buy-down for that first year at 4.75%. Now, you have to use their lender, um, but listen, it's really hard to to beat that number with another lender. That's just the reality of of the situation. So builders have been able to really dominate in this market because they're they're providing inventory in a low inventory environment and they're providing lower rates in a high rate environment. And in this high rate environment, it's really important for sellers to start to think like builders. I've alluded to this in other episodes, um, but I'm going to talk about it here again. If you're selling in this market, you need to be prepared to get creative and actually really the most important thing is to listen to the market, listen to feedback, listen to what people are saying or not saying or not doing, right? If you list a house that doesn't get any showings, your house is overpriced, okay? If you list a house, you're getting a lot of showings but no offers, then your house for some reason is non-competitive with other homes on the market. Whether Maybe it's not in good enough condition. Maybe the floor plan is not as good as some of the other homes on the market. Who knows? 
I had a house that I flipped recently um, that was challenging to price because it was substantially larger than most homes in the neighborhood that it was located in. Um, and it was a bit of a dart throw for me to price uh, the home at. And honestly, a lot of homes right now are a bit of a dart throw to price because of just, we don't know what the market's doing. Um, but where I ended up pricing it at, we got a ton of showings, but no offers for a long time. Um, and the biggest complaint I kept getting from people was they didn't like the downstairs flooring. And that was like the one thing in this house that I hadn't replaced. Um, and so I let it stay on the market for a while because again, we were getting a ton of showings and you know, the, the adage that's very accurate is all it takes is one person to, to love the house, to need the house right in that moment. And sometimes when you're selling, you're just waiting for that buyer to come online. In this case, I got tired of waiting. I was listening to the market. Everyone was complaining about the flooring. And uh, and on top of everything else, while this was happening, rates went up a lot, right? Rates have gone up a lot the past couple of months. And so I had to make a decision. Do I sit on this property and hope the right buyer comes along during the slowest time of the year, right? The fourth quarter. Or do I go on offense and do everything I can to move the property, even if it means not making as much money? I went with the latter approach, not knowing what the future holds, right? We don't know where these rates are going to are gonna settle in at. We don't know what this fourth quarter is going to be like. Um, so what I did was I took this home that I flipped off the market. I went ahead. I replaced the downstairs flooring. I raised the list price by $5,000 to account for the flooring that I had just replaced. Uh, but then when I relisted it, I offered buyers $10,000 towards a rate buy down. And I made that a big part of my marketing. Okay. I had all sorts of details in the listing. I'm offering a huge amount of money. Like that number really stands out. People see $10,000. They're like, oh, wow. Okay. I can do a lot with $10,000, right? I can probably buy this rate way down. Um, and so that's what I did. And guess what? It worked. I got the home under contract almost right away. And in hindsight, I almost wonder if the rate buy down was all I needed. Maybe I didn't need to replace the flooring. I'm not sure, but in real estate, you can't ever second guess yourself. You keep moving and keep looking for the next opportunity. That's what I'm doing. I haven't closed on that house yet, but we're under contract um, and we should be closing here in the next uh, in the next few weeks. And so uh, here's at the end of the day, the crazy part about this. It was, as I've already alluded to, it was all marketing. Any buyer can make an offer on any home and ask for a seller to pay for a rate buy down. Just because a home is on the market, isn't advertising, a seller is willing to do that, doesn't mean that a buyer can't make an offer asking for a seller to do it. But by me marketing the buy down in my listing, I did something that 99% of realtors weren't doing and it worked like magic. And guess what? I've had a ton of phone calls from realtors from a ton of different companies asking me about what I did because they saw it. They were shocked. They were just like, whoa. Well, what ended up happening is I posted on Facebook a bunch of details about the rate buy down. Um, obviously, Facebook, I, I use Facebook differently than a lot of realtors. I, I, I don't really look a whole lot at what other people are posting. I will post stuff that I find interesting, whether about sports, whether about real estate, a lot of real estate stuff. Someone made fun of me recently for posting a lot of real estate stuff. That's fine. This is my career. This is what I do. It's what I find interesting. But I posted about 
the rate buy down de- details. And I went into a lot of detail in my Facebook post. And then it, it was crazy because I didn't have an offer uh, on the house when I posted that. Uh, but like within a few hours of me posting that, I already had that offer that I ended up countering and then we ended up going under contract. Um, and it was completely unrelated to the Facebook post, but I think a lot of people thought, uh, that it was related to the Facebook post, which it was not. Um, but regardless that, that post got me a lot of interest from other realtors that I'm connected with on social media and, uh, and people are just trying to find ways, creative ways to sell houses in this market. And you have to listen to what the market is telling you and take that into consideration Take into consideration that buyer affordability is way down. You cannot try to fit a uh, a a square block into a or a square peg into a round hole. It doesn't work. So you need to keep all of these things in mind. If your inventory is going up, right, more homes are available than there have been for several years. So that means if you're a seller, you've got more competition than you've had in a very long time. You cannot approach the current market like the market was two years ago. Very, very different in so many different ways. You have to be nimble and be willing to change your approach. Now, here's the other thing I'm seeing. Homes under $250,000 are in huge demand. Huge demand. Huge. Um, It doesn't matter where. This is is kind of one of the interesting things. If the home is in good condition, there is a massive market for homes at this price point. Um, And this has been pretty much the only price point all year where I've seen multiple offer situations this year. Now think about this. The the median price point in Greenville right now is about $320,000. So uh, this is why there's so much demand at the $250,000 marker. That's like way less than what the median home is. Uh, But even if it's not in a great area, if it's in good condition, and it's at that price point, there's a market for it. There is a market. Now, one decision I made in the fourth quarter of last year, and I told you guys this when I made the decision, um, and and going into the new year, I decided that I wanted to flip more houses going into this year. Now, if you know me, you know that I am a full-time realtor. First, that is my first love. That is what I do. And I don't enjoy flipping houses. I really don't. Um, and I don't have time to flip a ton of them per year. It's it's not a it's not the biggest time drain uh, for me because I have processes in place at this point, and I don't I intentionally devote as little time to it as possible because uh, my real estate clients keep me very busy, and I'm always going to put their schedule ahead of the the schedules for my flips. But at the same time, I saw um, going into last year that inventory or, or at the end of last year, going into this year, the inventory was going way low. I knew that my business was going to contract this year because everyone's business has contracted this year. Um, but I also saw that as inventory was uh, was still very low, still at historical lows, uh, but that demand stabilized in November of last year, that meant a huge opportunity for me if I flipped more houses, I could create, like builders, my own inventory to make up for what was lacking. Now, this approach wasn't without its risk. I know of several flippers who lost serious money when the market went south last year. Um, when you're used to the market going up by 15 to 20% per year and suddenly that price growth 
growth stops cold, that is a big system shock for investors. I know some people who are pretty big players in in the local real estate investing scene who are now completely out of the game. And we've talked in the past about how like Zillow and Open Door and and uh, some of these other companies have really gotten hosed in their flipping business as well. Um, nonetheless, I was selective with the properties that I purchased, and in the end, it worked for me for this year. Um, and as I said, like pretty much all realtors, my business as a whole was down this year, but me increasing the volume of the house flips that I did turned it into a great year for me, and that's something I'm, I'm really grateful for. But Inventory is now increasing, right? When I when I reassess things at the end of last year, I saw okay, inventory insanely low. People need houses. Uh, not everyone wants to buy new construction for a variety of reasons. What can I do? I can provide more inventory by increasing the amount of homes that I flip. Well, now inventory is increasing. Um, I think that we're probably near the seasonal inventory peak. Uh, for the year, but even so, it's higher than it's been uh, really in several years. So what does that mean? It means flipping houses m- might not have a particular advantage in 2024, at least to the to the extent that it did in 2023. Uh, but obviously, there is one big exception. That's homes at or below $250,000. And if I get opportunities to flip homes at that price point in areas that are even moderately desirable or even not that great, but are at least, you know, not awful areas, um, I'm going to take advantage of that as much as possible. Again, that's a side business for me. um, And that's just me. Really, uh, if you're listening to this and you're not a house flipper, you probably don't care about that. But I know I do have some people that flip houses on here. That's just some of my thought process. Now, I will say I am a very uh, conservative. I'm very conservative when it comes to flipping houses. I have a very specific buy box. I don't buy everything. Um, I pass up almost everything that I see. Um, And some people are more aggressive than me and more power to them. Um, That, like I said, I don't enjoy flipping houses. So I'm pretty conservative with the ones that I flip. And, uh, and that's just the way I've chose, uh, I've chosen to structure my business. Um, Now, that was a whole nother aside I didn't intend to get into, but there you have it. Now, additionally, for flipping houses, I think there could be an opportunity for homes with one bathroom to convert them to two bathrooms and make money, even if that means taking away a bedroom. So maybe convert a bedroom into a big bathroom or, or merge two, two bedrooms to make a big master suite, whatever the case may be. Um, but a big change in recent years has been people wanting a second bathroom more than they want a third bedroom. I cannot express to you, I've been uh, in real estate almost eight years now, that is one of the single biggest shifts that we have seen in the market is people prioritizing a second full bathroom over a third bedroom. Um, and and of course, that also works well within the $250,000 price point I just discussed because a lot of two-bedroom, two-bathroom homes will be at that price or below. Now, I will also mention this. I see tremors of the luxury housing market having opportunities if you're a house flipper. That would be the other side of the market that I I am looking at closely. I have actually never flipped a luxury house. I'll be completely honest about that. I've got nothing to lose by saying that. Um, That's just not been 
what I have done. I've just I've had no interest in it. Um, in the past, I've I've had opportunities. Uh, there was one home that I came very close to making an offer on, and I just decided there were just too many mold issues and, and different things that, that just concerned me. I couldn't pinpoint where they were coming from, and I just backed out. Um, but we discussed last week that the luxury housing market in Greenville is the market that's doing the best right now because buyers on the high end are not impacted by these high rates. A lot of them are cash buyers. You know, a lot of people buying million, two million, three million dollar homes are buying with cash. Um, and if they do finance it, they're putting a huge down payment. Um, so they, they still have money. It's not these high rates are, are not impacting the luxury housing market that much. So um, I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to that. I've, I've never aggressively looked at the luxury housing market uh, for a flip. Uh, but this will probably be the first year that I really try to look more closely at that and see if there are any opportunities there. And I think there might be. I think that there might be because I'm starting to see more and more homes in MLS that could fit the the bill for a luxury home uh, that is a fixer upper at a cheaper price point that needs you know two three hundred thousand dollars of work done to it and then could sell it for maybe half a million uh, six hundred thousand whatever more than than uh, than what it's currently listed at. So TBD, uh, we'll see if that ends up materializing for me. Um, again, I'm going to be conservative with that, but that's something that uh, that has my interest peaked. And if you're a house flipper, that's definitely something that you should be looking in as well. Now, in the end, the big storyline for the next four to five months will be what does the market look like with increasing inventory, the normal seasonal slowdown in demand, and the highest mortgage rates in a generation. We have these three things all coming to a head right now here in the fourth quarter. Sellers need to adapt or die. And this is not a market for the faint of heart. Whether you're a buyer or a seller, um, you need to you need to be prepared. This is this is just not a market for the faint of heart. It's a tough market. Um, now, most of this episode has been from the vantage point of selling real estate, but what about from the standpoint of a buyer? Um, if you're feeling the cash squeeze, uh, this is where understanding rate buy downs can be extremely useful. If you can get a seller to buy down your rate at several points below what the current average is, uh, then that increases your purchasing power as a buyer much more than just having the seller come down 2 to 3% on the price. Again, this is simple math, but coming down 2 to 3% on a price, that's that's what a lot of buyers are thinking that they want a seller to do. But if you can get a seller to offer you 2 to 3% of concessions that you can then use to buy down your rate, you're getting so much more value for that. You're saving yourself so much more money for the next few years, potentially for the next 30 years, uh, depending on how you structure that. But of course, sellers aren't going to want to do that right away. Um, so homes that have just come on the market aren't typically going to be good options for this strategy. Let's just be honest, unless unless the home is advertising a potential rate buy down. Um, but for homes that have been on the market for a while, I think it's a great option and one buyers need to seriously consider when they run their numbers on what they can or can't afford. Now, if if the buy down, I will mention if you if you're a buyer and you get a rate buy down. That is temporary, so you can get temporary rate buy-downs, like for instance, uh, one that first year is uh, 6%, second year is 7%, 
and then for the remaining uh, 28 years, it's at 8%, you still have to qualify at the, the top rate. So if that top rate is 8%, you still have to qualify for the mortgage at 8%, not 6%. Um, so that's something to uh, just to keep in mind that I'm just going to mention for temporary buy-downs. I have a lot of other fun info on rate buy-downs, but I'm going to keep those details for myself uh, and not get too in the weeds in this show. If you're a client of mine working with me and want more info, let me know. Happy to happy to discuss it. Happy to connect you with a lender uh, to discuss the, the different lender options as well. All in all, I think from 2020 to mid-2022, it was a 10 out of 10 time to sell. Greatest time in the history of real estate to sell, right? You put a home on the market, even if it's overpriced, likely to sell it pretty quickly. If it's not overpriced, you're going to have a gazillion offers on it. Unbelievable time to sell. It was probably a three out of 10 time to buy during that stretch as well. And it would have been a one out of 10 time to buy, except for how low rates were, right? It was an awful, very difficult time to to buy from the standpoint of how much competition there was, all these multiple offers, stressful situations. But then when you finally got the house and you could see that high two point whatever percent or low three point whatever percent interest rate it was very very rewarding uh to know that that you pulled that off um but in the in the current environment i think it's about a six out of ten time to sell still a good time to sell but like i said not for the faint of heart you have to be prepared that the market has changed and it's not what it was before on the buy side i would say it's probably a five out of ten time to buy like neither a good nor a bad time to buy, in in my opinion, if you're a buyer in this market. Inventory is increasing. Um, Prices are pretty flat and following seasonal trends, uh, but uh, affordability is bad due to uh, the mortgage rates that we've talked about ad nauseum on here. Uh, But even though it's a five out of 10 time to buy, remember, the best time to buy a home was always yesterday. It was always yesterday. I can't tell you how many times I have clients or former clients or just friends send me things about what the housing market was like a few years ago, what the housing market was like a few decades ago, what the housing market was like a few months ago, and just regretting that maybe they were too young to buy a few years ago or or whatever the case may be. It was always better to buy yesterday. And that's just the reality of, of the situation. That's not something we can control. So for people that that ask, should I buy a house? Actually, there's a there's a guy I follow on Twitter, a housing, uh, uh, more like a mortgage rate uh, guy that, that really tracks the, the housing market. And people ask him all the time if now is a good time to buy a house. And, or, or sorry, they ask him if they should buy, if he thinks that they should buy a house now. And every time they ask him, he says no. And the reason is because he says, if you can't figure this out for yourself, you should not be buying a house right now. Um, And so the long story short is, if you need to buy a house, um, my opinion is it's better to buy sooner than later, generally speaking. Now, we don't know. The market could crash. I could be wrong. Uh, But historically speaking, uh, that's... Almost never the case. Usually, it's better to buy now versus uh, versus later. Now, if rates start to go back down substantially, let's say we see rates retract at some point next year into the sixes. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm just being hypothetical. 
that will dramatically help sellers, right? Because that's going to bring in a ton of demand and that's going to that's gonna really impact uh, home sales a lot. And even though it would make things more affordable for buyers, the sudden increase in affordability would, would again, likely send a bunch of demand back into the market and it would make it super duper competitive again. So again, this is why I'm telling you, if you are a buyer, I would generally recommend purchase and get a rate buy down now if you can while there is very little competition because when rates go down, prices are going to start to go back up at a higher clip. Demand is going to be greater. It's going to be more multiple offer situations. Inventory is going to go back down um, and all of these things. If you're a seller, uh, you may want to wait out the slow season, which we're in right now, and look to sell early next year. I'm just being completely honest. If you're a seller in this market, even though it's a six out of 10 time to sell, um, seasonality, that that's like generally speaking, from a seasonal perspective, this is the worst time of the year to sell. Um, and I think that there's a good chance that rates kind of stay where they are. Maybe they kind of end up in the low eight, something like that. I don't see them going... I'd be surprised if they went dramatically higher than the low eights, uh, just based on what the Fed is saying at this point. Um, but um, you may, if, if you can, if, if you don't have a reason for selling, it may make the most sense for you to wait until things start to pick up again next year, right? We had a very slow December, January, well, November, December, January of uh, of the past year. Um, and I think there's a very good chance that, that it's the same thing this year. And it might be better for s- sellers that have flexibility to wait until uh, we get to, you know, February, March, which is when the market really starts to pick up. Um, but again, not every seller has that flexibility. And if you don't, if you just need to sell, we'll, we'll do everything that we can. Uh, if I'm your realtor, I will do everything I can to get your home sold and to get you top dollar. Um, so yeah, those are my fourth quarter thoughts. Uh, just a hodgepodge of different things that I'm thinking about. Um, and, uh, there's a whole lot more that I could get into. Uh, but I think we've gone long enough, so we will stop there. Um, again, if you need a realtor, my contact information is in the show notes. If you need someone to list your home, I could do that. If you need a buyer's agent, I can also do that. If you need a referral to another market, I can also do that. I have a relocations department uh, within my company. There's a lot of different things that I can do. So contact me via my contact information in the show notes. And please, if you like the show, subscribe to it, like, rate, review, all of those good things. And we will talk again next time.